I'm so excited. We're beginning a new series in the book of Jonah. So it is epic, and you are going to love it. It's powerful. Uh, it will speak to you about your life over and over again. The Bible is timeless, and so it's timely. So if you want to stand to your feet, if you're able, we're going to read from Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 6. I'll take the odd verses. You will take the even verses. I need to hear you as loud as you can read. At least, can you do better than the first service? Can anybody? Thank you. I think you can do better than the first service. Okay. So the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold is, is the lower deck. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we're here. Thank you for your word. We bless you and thank you for who you are. And we thank you for the opportunity to gather together. It's just good to be here, to, to worship you, to be in God's house. Father, I know I have limitations and ask and I call upon you who has no limitations and what is communicated this morning. I pray that the seed of your word would fall on good ground and take root and produce fruit, and that we would not only be informed, but uh, we would be conformed and transformed uh, as people, as singles and husbands and wives and students and friends and couples and neighbors, and we pray this in your great name and ask your blessing over the remainder of our time together. And everyone agreed, saying, so I'm so excited to share with you about Jonah. It's a such a great Old Testament book, and uh, it's a minor prophet, which means just minor and that not a lot of chapters. Four chapters, awesome, powerful, life-changing chapters here. And so many of you are familiar with this, with Jonah, the prodigal prophet. Others of you maybe don't know so much, but God gave instructions then to the prophet, and he didn't want to follow the instructions. Have you ever been told to do something and you didn't want to do it? Come on, somebody. Has God ever, you read something, you heard something, told you to do something and you didn't want to do it? Yeah, come on. And so Jonah has a huge predicament that he's dealing with, and we can be in those predicaments also. So what you're going to get this morning is we're going to go through the entire chapter, 17 verses. And what we're going to do is we're going to I'm going to mention what though there's seven segments of the chapter, seven parts of the chapter, seven points to the message. The first one is this, is verse 1 and 2, God's assignment. God's assignment to Jonah, verse 1 says, And the Lord gave the message to Jonah, son of Amittai, and get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. Some of your translations read that it's, it's risen up to God how wicked the people are. So God said to Jonah, I've seen the wickedness of Nineveh, and I want you to go to Nineveh, Jonah. So God tells his prophet, his preacher, Jonah, I have an assignment for you. I have a design for you. 
I have a desire for you, and here's what I want you to do. So the story begins with a massive interruption. God is interrupting his life. He's been doing his life, and now he gets like a sudden text message, if you will. Nothing on his scheduling app, not on his calendar. Jonah's minding his business. Out of nowhere, God interrupts him and wants to reroute him and realign him, reassign him with a new assignment. God says, I have a calling on your life, so Jonah, I'm interrupting you. I'm going to give you your next assignment. And friends, when God interrupts us, it's always with the next step. There's always a next step, a next assignment. I have to be completely transparent and tell you that I am here because I felt an interruption, because I felt another assignment. I've been in another place for a long time, 14 years, and I felt there was a new assignment from God, kind of interrupted my life. So I have a choice, like we all have a choice. Are we going to say yes to God and go to Nineveh? Or are we going to do our own thing our own way and go to Tarshish? We're going to talk about that. And so he has a new assignment for him, interrupts him. And so we're looking at a man who didn't like the assignment of what God told him to do. So God gives an assignment to Jonah, just like every Christ follower gets an assignment. But what I think is a problem is that we can be in church, we think, oh, like that's a, an assignment, that's like a ministry. Well, that's for like the ministers. And we miss the point, we can miss the assignment because all members of a local church are ministers with a ministry. So that is the reality here, but you can miss your assignment there because you think that all that falls under the category of ministers. So I don't care how your background, how messed up you are, what your sin track record is, God puts an assignment inside of you. He puts gifts inside of you, and everybody has an assignment. So the message here relates to everyone as a Christ follower. And so, and if you're not, you're checking out church, you can understand what it would be like if you were a Christ follower. Point number two, Jonah's avoidance. Jonah's avoidance. Look at verse three on the screen. But Jonah got up and went to the, what? Watch this, the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. And he went down to the port of Joppa. Now, how bad did Jonah want to get away from the assignment? This is how bad he wanted to get away. He goes in the opposite direction. So instead of going 500 land miles to Nineveh, he goes 2,500 miles, friends, on the ocean to Tarshish. He's going so far to get away from what God wants him to do that if God puts his finger on him again, he's like, I am so far out of the game, don't even think about calling me. And so this is what happened. Jonah hits the run, the road running. Reminds me of that song by Ray Charles. You remember that song? Hit the road, Jack. You remember that song? Hit the road, Jack. Don't come back no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. Oh, that was a great song. Anyway, so Jonah hits the road running, and he says to God, God, I'm going to hit the road. I'm Jonah, and so I'm out of here. I'm done. So the brother thought that he could play hide-and-seek with God. The Almighty, think of that. Prophet thinks he can play hide-and-seek with God. So, but I want us to see this. 
A lot of times people say, well, I just kind of fell into it. No falling into it. We're deliberate about our sin. We're deliberate about this. So he was highly intentional and deliberate about not obeying God. He didn't fall into nothing. He didn't slip into this tailspin that we're going to unpack. No, it was all highly intentional. But you now you have to understand why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. Like, what's the big deal with Nineveh? Well, it was a big deal. Nineveh was full of awful Assyrians who were legendary for their cruelty. How cruel were they? They would kill you, they would take your head off, and they would use your head for display for everyone coming in to their city. They found uh, historically Assyrian records that they were savage in their plundering of cities. So much so that they would, they would burn to death little boys and little girls. They would torture adults, tearing their skin from their bodies. Welcome to Nineveh, friends. And so uh, this is how cruel they were. A Ninevite writes this, and I quote, I cut off their hands and their fingers, and from others I cut off their noses, their ears, and many I put out their eyes. End of quote. This is where Jonah was going. So from a very practical point of view, it's like, Lord, why would you call me to Nineveh? you like, you think I'm crazy that I would want to go to Nineveh. They kill people in Nineveh. They cut off their ears and pluck out their eyes and cut off their noses. They skin them and they cut off their heads. Why would I want to go to Nineveh? I don't want to help them. They're the arch enemy of God's people here. Lord, why don't you just judge them? Don't send me there to judge them. You just judge them. Judge them, Lord. Why don't you just kill them? And let's call it quits here. In fact, don't ask me to go. I'm going to go watch. Put it back up there. Put it back up there in the opposite direction. We can see why he would do that. We're going to talk about going down what happened. So Jonah says, thanks, but no thanks. So setting all of that aside for a moment, there's really only two roads in the Christian life. Think about it. There's only two roads. God will ask you things you don't want to do, like Nineveh, and you can say no, but that would represent being obedient to God. Goes against everything within you, but you're saying yes to God and bringing no requirements with your yes. Jonah just said no. Or you go to Tarshish and you do your own thing. It's you being you. You go to Tarshish, 2,500 miles of being outside of the will of God. So Jonah would rather be 25 miles outside the will of God than 500 miles in it. He was saying, God, I'm going to go as far in the other direction as, as possibly can go, and don't think about asking me to talk to those awful Ninevites there. So notice, put it back up, he went down. He went down, which I think that's a picture of the life when you say no to God. The life when you say, I think I'm going to do my own thing, I'm going to go my own way. It might not be visible at first, but eventually, friend, you are going down. So you watch Jonah's life, a picture of what can happen to people who ignore God's will, who go their own way, where he goes down to Joppa. Then he continues down into the boat. Then he's thrown over sea, and he go over the over the into the ocean. He goes down. Then he's swallowed by the great fish, 
goes down into the great fish. Then the great fish takes him farther down. You see that when you disobey God, it's an an inescapable reality that you are going on a downward trajectory there. So every step away from God, really, friends, is a step down. You're headed down. You're sinking like Jonah. Though you can run and for a season doesn't seem like that, but eventually you're going to recognize you're going down. So Jonah goes down to Joppa, and we heard what happened. So then secondly, watch. He paid the fare. He bought the ticket. It literally means, Bible scholars tell us this, he commandeered the ship. He could have had to sell his home to commandeer the ship. Look how costly it is to him to be disobedient to God. All that to say that running from God, friends, it's going to cost you. We think and we're led to believe in culture there's really no price tag to sin. But look at the toll upon his life. Look at the toll upon our lives. It will cost you time, cost him money, could cost you your reputation, could cost you your emotional equilibrium, could cost you mentally, could cost you your health, could cost you your peace, could cost you your sense of well-being. Jonah paid the fare to run from God. And what is he running from? He's running from God's assignment, from God's expectations. And that's what we, that we also run from the same thing. So there's probably people here, we've either been there, are here, or will be there, where God gives you an assignment and something to do, responsibility, and you don't want to do it. And perhaps it came by some spiritual influencer in your life. God's made it real to you that this is what I want you to do. This is what your life is to be about. The still small voice, maybe you read something, you heard something, perhaps a blog, a podcast, a church, wherever. But you feel then like Jonah, oh, but there's too much risk in doing that. God called you clearly to do a thing and you go in the opposite direction and you essentially are like, you know, putting on Jonah's shoes and running from God's will. And that means, though, that once God gives you assignment, you can think like, well, I, 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 maybe there's a way out. Uh, maybe I failed. I, I got the DUI. Uh, I had to screw up, the mess up, the whatever there. But friends, don't think that, don't you think that God knew your life before he gave you the assignment? Come on, somebody. Don't you think he knew your life before he gave you the assignment? Something about our lives are spent as a tale which has been told. He knows the end from the beginning here. So look at verse 4. Okay, point number three, God's first action. God's first action. But the Lord sent out a great wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. So here you have God's prodigal prophet here. And all right, he makes a decision, and then God made his. See how God rolled here? Jonah said, God, I'm going out of town. God said, Jonah, I'm sending a storm with your name on it. Jonah said, well, God, I'm going in the opposite direction. God said, you can't outrun me, Jonah, and I will find you, and I am coming after you. So notice the scripture says, the Lord sent out a great wind there. The Lord sent out a great wind, targeting Jonah. Violent storm, the ship begins to break up. So what is God doing there? 
God is essentially says, I'm putting on my running shoes, and Jonah, I'm lacing them up, and I'm coming after you. And he begins to chase Jonah. And he sends a storm, sends a great fish, and the text teaches us a fundamental lesson that I think is so important. God is not just concerned about Nineveh, though he was concerned about wicked Nineveh. God is not just concerned about the mission. He's also concerned about the messenger. He's also concerned about the missionary. God is not only concerned about the outcome, but he's concerned about the person, concerned about the process. So if God cared only about, think about it. Like if you were God and and Jonah, like the joker was doing that, I would be like, you know, let's ditch this joker. Let's ditch Jonah. Let's get a real prophet in here. Somebody going to do what I tell him to do. I don't want to deal with this nonsense of Tarshish and Jonah and falling asleep. I'm done with Jonah. But see, the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And so listen, uh, if you claim to be a follower of Christ and God never comes after you and God never disciplines you, then perhaps you need to think about someone else's kid. And so because whom the Lord loves, the Lord comes after. That's who he is. He will not leave you alone like he wouldn't leave Jonah alone and all of his rebellion there. So God loves you, friends, too much not to come after you. So when God comes after you, your circumstances may change. There may be a storm. The weather, it may get windy. But know that perhaps, and ask, why is this happening? Am I going in the wrong direction? What's going on? Lord, what are you trying to say to me? Verse 4, if you want to look at that on the screen or uh, your Bibles or smartphones, a violent storm that threatened to break up, break the ship apart. So watch this. Jonah's on the ship, and the ship now is having incredible turmoil because one person obeyed God, disobeyed God. Everyone else on the ship is experiencing Jonah's drama. They had nothing to do with the drama, just Joseph. And so God gave him instructions, and now everybody's going through hell Because Jonah doesn't want to do what God called him to do. So Jonah then, who's running from God, he's blowing up the whole ship. Could it be that as a father, when you go your own way, do your own thing, you could be blowing up the whole family ship? Could it be you could blow up your whole friendship ship, other ship? All the people in close proximity to Jonah are being impacted by Jonah's drama when he disobeyed God. So reality and a principle of life here, that one person running from God, it doesn't just affect that one person. It's a completely false, phony, American notion to think, my sin is all about me. I do whatever I want, whenever I want. It's just all about me. Yeah, but your life's affecting everybody else around you. And that's when, that's when you know, culture never tells us that. And so your sin and my sin, friends, it impacts others. My sin will impact my kids, impact my wife, impact you. It doesn't end with me. So everybody on the boat is paying for Jonah's sin, paying for Jonah running from God. That's how it is. Think about that. What they're doing here is they're beginning to empty the ship, beginning to empty the ship. So it says, fearing for their lives, verse 5, I'm sorry, point number 4. The empty attempt to escape the mess. The empty attempt to escape the mess. Fearing for their lives, desperate sailors shouted to their gods, 
for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship, shouting to their gods for help. Watch what they're doing. They're throwing good stuff overboard. That's their pay. I mean, these guys, they're, they're the professional sailors going from Joppa, going to Tarshish, then back. They got paid to do that. This is ultimately affecting their families. This is affecting their jobs, their, their career. And so what a mess, one man again, drama spilling over into their lives. And so perhaps this morning, some drama spilling over into your life. I get text messages about every other day, some drama, family drama, other drama, spilling over into my life. Perhaps you do too. And so everyone on the ship is in trouble because of one man's drama running from God. And the ship is this is overflowing with problems, about to sink. So the sailors watched. They shouted to their gods for help. How typical this is of people that when things are good, they're never shouting to their god. But when things are bad and the ship's falling apart, now we're going to shout to all of our gods here, emergency 911 prayer. And I'm not saying there's anything like wrong with emergency 911 prayer, but God would like to hear us more than just when the ship is falling apart. How many people know what, what I'm talking about? And so... Thank you for the one amen, David. Appreciate that. So the professional sailors who made a living now, made a living, they're throwing stuff overboard, losing money because of Joseph. So when we're in rebellion, when we're not right with God, just know this, friends. You impact all the people that are associated with you. We don't sin in a vacuum. Jonah wasn't doing life in a vacuum. So look at verse 6. So the captain went down <clears throat> after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up, pray to your God, and maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. So there's Jonah, see it in your mind, down in the lower bowels of the ship, and there he is sleeping. And this shows a very important point. That is that you can be out of God's will, and you can be so comfortable being out of God's will that you can sleep through a storm that is designed to discipline you. It's a reality right there. God is at work, but Jonah's sleeping. While God is doing what he's wanting to do. So Jonah is zoned out spiritually, enough knowledge of God and gifting to be a prophet, and he's just zoned out, just tapped out uh, of living uh, in, in light of God's reality for him. So the captain comes down. Now watch this. So the captain's freaking out with everybody else, calling on their gods, small g gods, and then he goes down into the bowels of the boat, finds the prophet, causing all of this mess, and he wants to find the joker, and he wakes the brother up. The captain says, hey, you, like, how are you asleep in the storm when the boat's breaking up? Get up and, like, pray to your God. You see what's happening here? Watch. The sinner is going to the saint and telling the saint, hey, you need to pray to your God. So it's kind of comical when you think about it. And so the sinner is telling the preacher to pray. And so, hey, preacher, we're in trouble. Maybe God has something to do with this, and maybe you need to get up and pray to your God. Wouldn't you mind praying a little bit and not just sleeping there? So maybe this is bigger than the weather. Hello, Jonah, verse 7, then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified 
Jonah spelled out his name. So see this, they're smart enough to figure out that the reason for this happening is somebody on the ship has made God upset. This just isn't about weather patterns. There's somebody on the ship that's responsible for all the drama. So some of us need to recognize that sometimes there can be someone, something on your ship. So like I'm talking to you individually as a group, but individually, I'm talking to you. Watch what they said in verse 8. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demand, who are, who are you? What is your line of work? And what country are you from? What's your nationality? And now look, everyone following verse 9. Jonah answered, oh, like, like I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the, the, the sea and the land. That, that's who I am. I worship the Lord. Like, you're so full of hot air, uh, that's ridiculous. You're pretending, Jonah. Uh, you're living in, in fantasy world. And so I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. Yeah, if you did, you wouldn't be going on the ship to Tarshish. So the sailors are thinking, yeah, and you're God, God of the sea. Why don't you do something about the God of the sea that's about to kill us? The sailors were terrified when they heard this. For he'd already told them, verse 10, he was running away from the Lord, presence of the Lord. Well, why did you do it? They groaned. They're saying this essentially. Hey, you, you're messing us up. Like, you're a fool. Like, why don't you be a fool on your own, running away with God? But don't drag us into your foolishness. So they're running from God, and they created a storm for everyone else. Not only Jonah, everyone in close proximity. And then verse 11 says, then the storm's getting worse. All the time. They asked him, hey, what should we do? What should we do about this storm? And so the situation is not getting better. And Jonah is insisting on his rebellion. And then verse 12, we recognize there is an answer, number five, to the problem. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it'll become calm again. And I know that this terrible storm, it's all my fault. Now, is Jonah crazy or not? You recognize this is a suicide wish, right? You recognize he's going to commit suicide. He's going to take his own life. Jonah's saying, let's end it all right now. All the, soul, all, all the sailors around him, I'm willing to die. I'd rather die, than go, I'd rather die and go overboard than go to Nineveh. I ain't going to Nineveh, so just throw me overboard. Throw me overboard and everything's going to be okay. The storm will stop with all its elements. Trust me, uh, this is what the Almighty will do. So I have a question. I have a question for Jonah, and you can listen in on the question. If Jonah was here, I would say, Jonah, um, why are you asking someone else to throw you overboard something you could do yourself? You ever wondered about that? Like, why, why are you asking them? You're, you're perfectly capable. You can, jump, you can jump overseas by yourself. Why won't you take the leap into the ocean? Why is Mr. Drama asking other people to do for him what he could do for himself? Have you ever noticed like people in your own life, Mr. Drama, Mrs. Drama, they will ask you to do things for them that they could do themselves. I have a member in my family and... Uh, I have been trying to get this person to work 
for decades, and they won't work. I text him. She tells me what she's doing, and I say, hey, did you get the job at In-N-Out? I got this long. I'll explain that another time. Did you get the job at In-N-Out? And I said, and I told her, I will pay her a large, a large sum of money if she'll go and work at In-N-Out. She still won't work. Drama upon drama upon drama. And she then will want me to pay for her drama that she herself could deal with. That's how people can be. And so look at, uh, so now you look at what happens. So they know they don't want to die and they don't want to kill Jonah. They don't want to like murder God's messenger. So look at, then they work like dogs in verse 13. It said the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. They're trying harder, trying harder, trying harder, trying harder. There's nothing that they can do. Verse 14, then they cried out to the Lord. Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. Don't hold us responsible for, for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him overboard. They could no longer deal, no longer tolerate, so they threw him overboard, even though he won't jump for himself. So now this is what I want to, I want to make a point here. That, friends, sometimes there are stormy conditions in your life, keeps you in turmoil, and God is showing you what needs to exit from the ship. What needs to exit from the ship? Maybe there's turmoil in your life, and maybe there's something, some habit, some practice, something you are looking at, something you're reading, watching, doing, hanging out, and you just need to have the guts and the courage to deal with that. Maybe it's hard for you, but it needs to exit your own ship. So much of life's turmoil, because things that coexist with on our ship, and it's real to us, this needs to go, but we leave it there like Jonah, and the drama and the trauma continues. Romans puts it this way in Romans 13, 12. So remove, who? The pat no, you remove, who's? Your dark deeds, like dirty clothes. You know you get dirty clothes, you can't wait to get them off. You remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. There it is. Is there anything that needs to be removed from your ship? And then notice what happens when Jonah went overboard. The storm stopped at once, which just tells us God's power there has the capacity to calm the storm, your storm, bring peace to your life instantly. Now look at the sailors' response, verse 16. The sailors were what? Awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. All this while Jonah is drowning. The sailors, watch. Watch what's happening here. I, I don't know that we get it. We, we got this. The sailors are turning to Jonah's God. Do you see what's happening here? Even while Jonah is running from God, they're turning to God. So God can still do his work even when someone is disobedient and rebellious. So the sailors, watch what hap what's happens here. They were praying to their different gods, right? It was just a few verses earlier. They're praying to their different gods, and now look at what's happening here. They are praying to Jonah's God. 
Okay, go back to uh, the previous verse. So now they're crying out to Jonah's God. Look at that. Now they're calling upon God. This, this, is, this is so powerful. This is like supernatural. They pleaded, you know, don't make us die here. But then they're saying, we're going to serve him. We're going to call upon him. It's awesome. And then the next verse, God's second action. First the storm, now the great fish. And what is that? God's second action? And the Lord had appointed and arranged for a custom-designed watercraft, a.k.a. a great fish. The custom, just for Jonah, shows you what God will do to get after you, to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. So watch. The Lord appointed, the Lord arranged a great fish, and this is how I see it. God said to the fish, God made real to the fish, I got a drowning going on over there, and I need you to go and pick up my prophet. That registered, okay? And the great fish said, yes, Lord. And the great fish said yes to what Jonah said no. It's true. In fact, it's so true, you can Google this. You can Google the, uh, this. You, you, you can find oceans of historical evidence proving the reality that this is true. It was about 1895 in Glosher Harbor in, Eng in England. You went into a London hospital. You can, you can read all about it, about what happened to him. So it's real, friends. So there's Jonah in the belly of a whale, dark, wet, smelly, slimy, not a pleasant place. Uh, it's an awful place, but it's the safest place. Now, sometimes God's going to put you into a, a temporary place. It's not, un it's not comfortable. You're not going to like it. It's not where you want to be but it is the best place for you for a season to hit the reset button, give you your new assignment, your next step there, your, your, your next place in God's will. And so it's much safer than anywhere else. So I'll take the great fish over swimming with the sharks any day. How about you? Come on, somebody. How, what would you, you want to swim with the sharks? How many people want to swim with the sharks? Yeah, so, so one person. Okay, the rest of us, I'll, I'll take Jonah. Okay, so what I want us to see is this. Is that God was orchestrating, while Jonah's doing his, his thing, God also is at work orchestrating the great fish there. And really, it's just an Old Testament original Uber. It's an Uber there. God's being an Uber through the great fish. And so I, that was funny. I don't care what you think. So God prepared the great fish. And what he says to the fish is this. When you see a splash, that's lunch. That's lunch, Jonah. So don't miss it. So God says, Jonah, I'm so committed to you that I'm going, not going to leave you alone. I'm coming after you. I sent a great storm. I sent the lots. I sent now the great fish. What you need to see is God is a God who will come after you. And friends, what is this about? It's not, not about the great fish. It's about God's grace. It's about the love of Heavenly Father. We're talking about Jonah Thousands of years later, his story reverberating with immense reality in our lives. Why? Because of God's grace in his life. Because ultimately, he would say yes to God. He would give in. And I believe that God, you know, some of us here, God may be interrupting you like he was interrupting Jonah. God may be tapping you on the shoulder. God may be trying to get a hold of your attention. Maybe there's something that needs to come off your the deck of your ship. God is trying to speak to you. And the ultimate interruption is when God taps you on the shoulder 
God begins to draw you to himself. And I, as a 17-year-old teenager, experienced that. Never been to church, and I just feel like, you know, I think, I think Jesus is real. God begins to tap on my shoulder. Maybe he's tapping on your shoulder. So much truth here that Jesus Christ himself compares himself to Jonah. And he says, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man, the true Jonah, the greater Jonah, be three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus came out of the grave and on the third day rose from the dead like Jonah came out of the belly of the whale there. Literally was cut out. But, uh, but Jesus surrendered to the will of the Father like Jonah surrendered to the will of his Father. Perhaps you're here and you're a follower of Christ. And I just wonder if you could be totally brutally honest with yourself that there are shades of Tarshish that you were going after. Maybe shades of Tarshish. And God is saying, you know, it's Simon, it may be hard, but I want you to come home and I want you to not be just doing you. You are doing you. I want you to do my will. And so and today some people are being, by the grace of God, are being rerouted like Jonah. And God, wants, God wants you to say, yes, I, I want to follow. I'm coming back. Or I want to follow you, and I haven't been, but I want, to, I want to follow you. I'm experiencing a storm, and I know you want to interrupt my life and draw me back to yourself.